coming to you from the beach. You can't stop me. It's for everyone. The beach is for everyone. Hey, Patty and Justin. Hey, Brian. Hi, Brian. How's the studio? It is good. It's We're cold so in here. It's not beachy at all. It, I think it feels refreshing. <laughs> tell you what it's about 95 degrees here and i'm getting a little breeze <laughs> I, mean, I probably feel i'm feeling a, a pucker if you will this is yeah yeah uh, guys that's well, reason well listen we are happy to be here even though you can't be here we're happy to be yeah. here yeah and I'm, glad, I'm glad you guys are there and and sad to say i am also well, uh, but you know what? Justin is like our one of our favorite guests to bring Aww. on the show. You oh, guys have one of my favorite shows. So Yay. it works. <laughs> Yay, we give you a shout out on the show all the time. I've noticed. <laughs> There's no other way to go. <laughs> well, everyone who is new, we want to say welcome to Critical Thing for Everyone. Everyone who's returning, we want to say welcome back. Right. And Patty, by the way. I'm Patty, yes, by the way, and my co-host here is Brian Barnes. By the beach. Brian, by the beach. By the beach, and our guest is Justin Mogg. Hey, everybody. It's great to be here on a different platform other than sustainability now. Yeah, you I'm are. I'm critically thinking for everyone. You're usually talking every single week on Forward Radio about sustainability. That's yes, your jam. That's my jam. That's your jam. And Brian and I are talking about critical thinking. And when they intersect, <laughs> it's like magic. Can I also mention that it is prime jam season right now? <laughs> the berries are at oh, peak. Oh, really? Everybody needs to get out in their community and start gathering berries. You don't have to grow them yourself. Where do we go? Nature grows them for you. Like where? So I want to invite everybody to this Friday's Service Berry Foraging Workshop at the University of Louisville Garden Commons. We'll be gathering at noon on Friday at the southwest corner of Strickler Hall. So if you know where the Speed Art Museum parking garage is, we're just behind that thing. There is a small service berry there. We're going to start the tour there, but we're going to go around campus to all the hot spots. Where bring a Tupperware and a pail because What's service berry. What is that? Service berries are one of the key native fruits that you need to know about. In fact, of all the native foods to Kentucky, I think it's the primo. Uh, really? It is in abundance right now, and it's only available for like a two-week window. Friday's probably on the edge of the possibilities for gathering service berries. Oh. They are like a blueberry in size and color, but their tree is actually, it's a tree, not a bush, and it's in the almond family. Oh. Uh, and they are a delicious alternative to blueberries for your smoothies, your pies, oh, your breakfast. Oh, wow, really? Yes. Yeah, maybe I need, to, I need to come and check it out. It's also mulberry season, everybody. You will see them anywhere you go on a sidewalk or any hardscape. You yeah. see all these stains. What's all this mess? That <laughs> is sustainable dining. You all should be loading up on mulberries. Oh, I People thought you were talking about the cicadas on the side. Uh, and cicadas oh, are also sustainable dining. I don't know if we're going to get into that. Oh, <laughs> shrimp here in Kentucky. <laughs> Land shrimp. There yeah, mulberries are, are fantastic. Be forewarned, though, that they vary highly in quality. So if you try one mulberry and you're like, oh, these things aren't any good, this is isn't very flavorable. Go to the next tree over. You will find some some that are amazing. They also vary in size. There's some monsters, right? And there's wow. some teeny ones, kind of like cicadas. Uh, but load up, load your freezer full of mulberries and service berries right now and start jamming. Get your jam on. Okay. Hey, did you say that service berries are native? 
Yeah, um, yeah. Service berries are native, along with pawpaws and persimmons. So pawpaws and persimmons will be later in the summer, uh, or actually fall for persimmons. Uh, but yeah, service berries are what we have in abundance right now. Okay. I thought service was a Latin-rooted word. Are you telling me that the Iroquois were talking about service berries? Or? They absolutely were, and they probably have a wonderful name for them in their indigenous language that okay. I should so learn as part of my... Uh, you have till Friday at noon. I, <laughs> I can look this up. <laughs> There's also a Latin name. <laughs> they're also known as June berries because they're ripe around June oh, 1st. Okay, that's... Okay, nice. Stuff? or just eat them or whatever you can eat them fresh like a blueberry you can dry them you can make yeah. jams out of them they're great maybe, in you know pies. i love to bake maybe i'll bake a you know service berry like a like a crisp oh my gosh yeah, yeah. Service berry crisp. i love brian or knows crumble. i love making those in the summer right brian mm -hmm. oh yeah you make you make incredible crisps <laughs> thank you thank you that's one of my favorite things difference? justin what is the difference between a jam and a jelly that's a fine question. There is a difference, and I'm not enough of a, a okay. connoisseur or expert to be able to answer your question. I don't know if there was like a preserve. That's another one, right? Well, I think it has to do with I things wish I like knew the consistency and what else you add to the berry. I yeah. think it has to do with that. Okay. We should get my wife on this show. She would know and be able to think critically Maybe about we'll these bring differences. Her in. 100%. But, but I mean, we could probably make any of these um, sweet treats with a berry. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, yeah. and we were out celebrating our Memorial Day by harvesting berries. Really? <laughs> yes, it was delightful. Amanda said she harvested six different kinds of berries all really? in the same day. So there Yum. you go. <laughs> that sounds great. Can, hey, listeners, can you name six berries that you <laughs> pick off the streets in Louisville? <laughs> yeah, you don't even need to get into the weird ones like service berries or Logan berries or uh, wow. you know, there's so many that are available. All, red raspberries, black raspberries, blackberries are starting to wow. mature. Um, they're not quite ready we're, yet. We're, okay. Strawberries for sure. It's peak strawberry season if you yes. planted any. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. So what about those little wild strawberries? Are those any good? They're not very good. They're edible, um, but they're not very flavorful. Yeah, I was gardening yesterday nice. in my yard and I saw a couple of them. Mm -hmm. and Aren't I was they pretty? Like, I was like, mm, I don't know if I should eat that you or can. not. You can. They're just yeah, not very tasty. They're just not very good. Okay. Right. Well, Justin well, in here today to do some troubleshooting, but he has ended <laughs> up um, having, uh, as he often does, just sort of moving into an extra roll. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We don't want to put him in too much of a jam, though. A jelly roll, uh, if you will. Or is it? A, <laughs> we want to preserve his talents. Uh, <laughs> well, Justin, one of the things we love to talk to you about is sustainability. Yes. Okay. Good. I'm glad. All I'm right. glad I don't have to talk more about the difference between jellies and jam. And one of the things I thought would be fun is we could maybe school Brian and the listeners about some of the principles of how you get people to embrace change because sustainability requires that, that, you know, if people really commit to living sustainably, they have to well, commit to some changes, right? Isn't that interesting? Because when people hear the term, it's kind of assumed, well, you're just going to sustain what we're doing, right? Well, I also really? get that question, like, oh, you're the sustainability coordinator. What is it you sustain? 
And um, <laughs> it's really vital that we not sustain what we're doing because what we're doing is highly unsustainable. So uh, yeah. <laughs> I thought sustainable, I thought sustainability just maintaining things the way they are, like Wikipedia says. No, <laughs> it's fundamentally about meeting the needs of the president without jeopardizing the ability of future generations oh, to meet their sounds needs. Sounds like we're that's not doing the, very well. That's on that. the textbook definition. Uh, really? But what that looks like in practice is going to vary everywhere. It's about um, responding to the existing conditions, environmental, social, and economic, in a sustainable way so that you can really create a society that is lasting and enduring and resilient uh, rather than one that's living off of borrowed time like we're doing right now with fossil fuels. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so Brian, one of the things that you and Justin and I have been talking about over the years, because you and Justin do a lot of work in this area at UofL, and I, and I like to be part of those conversations and support you. But one of the things is always, how do you get people to change what they're doing, right? To How do you get people to further everyday habits in their as consumers yeah. to really think about long-term consequences and um, well, and, make positive choices, right? And, and not even change everything they're doing. Like some things people are doing are great, right? Yeah. It's not like everything we're doing is trash. We got to get rid of it all, right? It's about figuring out what works in a sustainable manner for us in our lives. So it, again, it's going to vary de depending on the person and figuring out what will motivate an individual or an institution, right, if, we're, if we're looking at U of L sustainability, that's the key to doing this work, and that's why I really value this text that you introduced me to. Patty. Oh yeah, this book called "Switch: How to Change Things When Change is Hard." By and change is hard. Chip Heath and Dan Heath, and it's all these principles about fostering behavior change, which starts with right how you think. And then how then how you act. And it's not just a book about sustainability. These these principles right. are applicable Anything. to any kind of change you want to implement, right? Right. Anything you're trying to do in your life or at work or promote change. Yeah. I just thought since your lens is often how do you make how do you help people embrace sustainability and change yeah. around habits, this would be a good book for that. Perfect. Well, before we get started, though, let's just talk a little bit about what critical thinking has to do with this. Thank you. Well, yeah. just for a moment, I mean, I haven't read the book, so I'm going to let you guys talk about it. But I do want to say that criteria is really important for critical thinking. That's the critical part. We have to have evidence. We have to have reasons. And when we start talking about reasons, we also have ways to look at that criteria, like logicalness standards, right? Because just because I have a reason doesn't mean it's a good reason. It might be a really lousy reason. It might be inaccurate. It might be imprecise. It might be irrelevant. We could still say these things are reasons because maybe adopting the irrelevant, inaccurate reason serves my personal interests. That's the problem, is that just because I do really effective thinking, that doesn't mean I did good critical mm. thinking. I might have done really effective thinking just for my own interests. Mm. So when we start talking about the highest level of critical thinking, we want to have criteria so that we can really think this is the, we can really say this is the best thinking for anyone, no matter what they're positioning. This is just the best thinking, not the best thinking for me or the best thinking for whatever satisfies 
my personal or professional ends. Critical thinking is supposed to be about truth. And one of the problems we run into in sustainability administration all the time is it's a truth problem, right? It's that people don't care about that. They care about something else. So it's the same problem as we have in critical thinking is that the criteria that we really should be focusing on ends up being set aside for some other criteria that's not quite as good, right? And so that's one of the things we want to we want to sort of make sure that people are aware of is that there's a really close connection here because both critical thinking and sustainability are trying to use the best evidence, are trying to have the best reasoning or logic about the situation. And we're trying to make sure that everything is high quality such that people can't just say, hey, you know what, this is irrelevant or this is inaccurate or you just did some really poor thinking here. You need to keep the game up all the time. Justin's excellent at that for the sustainability side. And of course, we have Patty for the critical thinking side. So I think <laughs> I think that this book stands no chance. <laughs> Can I ask a question too? I've been wanting to ask you guys, both of, both of you guys, this question. The moon. The moon um, does this. This thing okay. behind me, this is the moon. <laughs> That's the question. I got an answer. There's, there's a key principle in critical thinking is which is to i don't know is it to you tell me is it to avoid or or be aware of biases so my question is about bias because uh, i I understand that you know scientifically there's an importance to avoid bias to get to truth Mm -hmm. but when you start looking at things like sustainability you move beyond the realm of hard science, I guess, and you get into the realm of values, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And to me, values are inherently biased. Like I want people to both think critically and to be biased, biased towards resiliency, biased towards uh, long-term thinking, biased towards conservation, biased towards valuing the earth, valuing justice, valuing other species, right? So Am I on thin ice immediately with critical thinking when I start introducing those biases? Um, So I think what critical thinking would say, if you value conservation and you're thinking in your behavior is biased that way, I think critical thinking would say, first, just start by being aware. Own that as a bias. Own the bias. Right. Oh, first own it and go, okay. My values and my thinking and my conversations and my actions are all going to be biased toward this value. All right. That's the first thing. So like acknowledge up front that I I think that the global climate crisis is the greatest crisis facing humanity and we can't just ignore it. Right. Exactly. Given that. that. Given that. (laughs) So what that means, though, is if I'm going to think this through really well and I'm going to get other people to care about it and want to help me and get involved, they may not have that bias. They have a different bias. So I have to own that bias, recognize that it's mine, that not everybody shares it. And I have to spend time getting to know what they think about the climate crisis, because otherwise what happens is I'm just living in my bubble. I'm living in my world. So, so it's about, 
expanding my thinking so I could see the issue from all these points of view. Well, and that's what I always try to do with this issue of trying to change behaviors or influence mm -hmm. decisions of an institution or something. I try and recognize what their biases are. For example, University of Louisville, when decisions are made, have a very strong economic bias, right? Like right. that is top concern is will this be financially sustainable? Will it make us money or save us money? Right. That, that's that's the way to sell it to an administrator. Or will it make the university look good? And what looks good, boy, that is loaded with all kinds of biases because I think solar panels look great. I think compost bins look awesome. But you ask a university administrator, they would much rather hide those things so that the public can't see them which to me is just crazy making because the whole point is doing these things right. is to educate. And right. if it's invisible, who's going to learn anything. Right. Right. So, so it's recognizing you have that bias toward valuing those things and they don't. So as you're thinking through something and you're trying to affect change, you're, you're trying to sort of acknowledge it, be aware of it and check it. Because if I, you're going to have a conversation with someone who doesn't share that value, how can you going to really connect with them? Yeah. If you're sort of caught up in your, your bias, I don't know, Brian. What do you think? I mean, the problem is that with critical thinking, there is. I mean, the critical thinking that we talk about, right? The stuff from Richard Paul. There is an assumption that there's truth out there. There's an assumption that the 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 that whatever we call the truth is not based in point of view. It's based in the best criteria. And so if Justin says this is the point of view or Patty says this is the point of view, the question becomes, do they have strong enough criteria to back that up? Can they demonstrate that it's the truth? Sophistry, that business about weak sense critical thinking, that's based in point of view. That's all point of view. I mean, the problem that you run into, Justin, is that everybody thinks that sustainability is a function of point of view, but it ain't. It's a function <laughs> of carbon in the atmosphere and a bunch of other stuff like that, right? I mean, it's a, it's a function of all of these metrics and point of view is not one of them. Yeah. Right? And so I think that the problem that we run into is that people want to say to you, ah, well, that's one way to think about it. And you go, well, that is... That's the actually <laughs> right thing to think about. And, and, and they say, well, no, because, you know, sustainability, for example, wants to have this balance between the economic and the social and the environmental in one theoretical version of it, right? The most popular theoretical version of it has these balanced. But the reality is, if you try to balance the economy against the environment, the more economic value you pull out, the more damage seems to be done to the environment. So balance is really weird, right? Because the best thing for the environment would be to leave it the hell alone, <laughs> right? That would be the best thing just for the environment itself is if we just didn't bother it and let it do its own stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, when we talk about saving the earth, we're really talking about saving ourselves on this earth. Oh, right. Oh, right. And somebody's going to say, well, you know, I'd rather I'd rather have a um, couple million dollars while I'm on this earth and live a shorter, dirtier life. Dr. Mogg, I'd say that was so. So we start running into this point of view problem. Right. Because it's as if 
the person who privileges the economic point of view is equal in their assessment of the situation to you. But when they privilege the economic point of view, so often they're just doing it for their own selfish ends. Critical thinking wants to make that distinction and say, ultimately, if the problem is that you, if the issue is that you are benefiting from this point of view, that's probably not the truth, right? That's probably a good time to step in and say, oh, look, I'm probably suffering from a bias here or some irrational motive because I, I think that the truth with a capital T is synonymous with my benefit. Well, and, and How I think, arrogant can I be? Well, and I think that's part of the that's part of the problem, the sticky problem with with Justin saying, you know, well, I I lean towards sustainability and all and all of these issues. And as you said, well, carbon emissions is real. That's not a point of view. That's real. Yes, it is real. But the problem is just relying on facts or pointing to things like that does not actually help people right. embrace change, right. right? Just the reality of the situation. If, if that itself was enough to get people to pay attention and adopt yeah. a new point of view, that would have happened a long time ago. Yeah. yeah. In fact, right? I hardly ever, I hardly ever, when I'm talking about sustainability in almost any context, hardly ever spend much time talking about like the global crisis. Um, I mean, it's just too depressing and too, uh, disempowering like, oh, well, if it's a big global crisis, I might as well party, uh, cause what's, what's one little me going to do just right, to drop a bucket. Right. Right? So instead I just focus on like, look at how awful these systems that we've set up are like, let's bring it down to something realistic that yeah. affects everybody's lives, right? Driving. Our addiction to cars in Louisville and in yeah. America broadly is highly, highly problematic in so many ways that have not necessarily anything to do with the greatest crisis facing humanity, global climate change, right? right, right, right. So the, the, the classic solution that people are coming up with to the problem of emissions from cars, because yeah. transportation is something like, what, a quarter of our yeah. emissions, maybe it's a third somewhere in there. We can debate exact the number, but it's a big chunk of our emissions. And so a big part of that global climate crisis is the driving, the addiction to driving, right? So the solution people are coming up with and pouring tons of money and effort into is what? Electric vehicles. You got it. Electric yeah. vehicles, we, right? My family, we everybody own, wants one. We own an electric vehicle. Great, right? Yes. You're, you're one of many now. Yes. And how many problems is that going to solve? Even if, even if 100% of the electricity used to charge the batteries in your electric vehicle were from renewable energy, which how far are we away from that today in Louisville? What percentage of our, you know, the power yeah. coming out of your plug is from renewable energy? What, two, three percent, right? So, so even if it switched I overnight, I should give up my electric car. You absolutely should be investing that money in something, anything else. Really? Please don't invest your money really? and your time and your attention into electric vehicles because it solves none of our problems. Even if it, even if it was powered 100 by renewable energy, you would still have a myriad of other problems created really? by the reliance on the private automobile. Right. I would rather you continue to drive 
ideally a hybrid, but let's just say a gas-powered vehicle and spend all the money you would put into electric vehicles, both for yourself and all the charging stations, all the yeah. infrastructure, yeah. the trillions of dollars that yeah. Joe Biden wants us to invest in electrifying private automobiles, put all that money That's into right. anything else for sustainability, whether it's how to grow your own food locally or put, put solar panels on your roof. <laughs> you know? All right. All right. Well, let's pause Bike here. infrastructure. This anything. Leads- this leads to one of the one of the principles of the book, which is point to the destination. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Justin, what I need you Absolutely. to do, yeah, I yeah, need yeah, you yeah. to paint a picture for me. If you don't Imagine, want me right. to rely on electric vehicles, right. paint a picture. What should my what's my destination? What am what am I doing day to day? What does my house look like? Paint that for Here's me. what it looks like. And it exists in so many cities in the world today, okay. right? Even poor cities, right? Okay. The what the destination we want is when you wake up in the morning, you have a myriad of options for how you're going to get to the places you need to get to in that day. Okay. Right. You don't just have this one silver car. bullet just solution, my car, right? right? My car, I'm going to use this thing to get everywhere. Okay. You're going to have an option to maybe walk or ride a bike or maybe even a scooter, right? Some or, small or human powered public, de- device. Public transport, no. Right, right. Yeah. I'm getting to that. Right? You're going to have things close enough to you that you could walk, bike, or take a scooter to them, right? Then you're going to have things a little further away that you would have a, a robust transit system to get to. And in most cities where this functions, it's not just one thing. So it's not just an amazing bus system. You also have light rail, right? And when you get to one of these light rail stations, yeah. you have other transportation options once you get there to fill that gap, that last mile, right? Okay, so let's let's pause here. So I'm going through my day. And the first thing, I like this, I like to talk about it in terms of a daily decision or you know, day-to-day. So my first thing is I'm thinking about transportation and I'm thinking uh, things other than a private vehicle. You okay? wouldn't even it wouldn't even pop into your head because you'd have so many other great options that would save you so much money. You wouldn't even think about owning a car. Oh. Like a lot of people in New York City don't even think okay, about owning a car. But where does that rank among the other choice I make in the day? Is that pretty high? Like, should that be, should I privilege that above my food source or is it all like, how do I, mm. where do I start? Like, do I start there? Maybe not because in Louisville, we've built this system that is so car centric that it's really hard yeah. to start there yeah. unless you happen to live in the urban core. Like okay. I do, it all doesn't right. seem hard. I've never really struggled to live without a car. Like it seems really easy to me, but I can imagine if I lived out in J town or something, you right. know, or, or, or it would I be always hard. wanted to ask you this. But what, Justin, so you don't own a car, you have a bike, that's how you get around. But what if your doctor says, you know, I need you to go way out to like the East end of this office out there and have a procedure done. And you, and that's where you have to go. How do you get out there, Justin? Well, then I would take transit, which I don't tend to take day to day because okay. I love Okay, so that would bike. be like the exception. Or I would, would make a special day of it and I would actually ride my bike out there. Oh. <laughs> but we have to think about all kinds of people if we want to make a functioning transportation system, right? So not everybody is young and fit or can, or has right. access to a bike or whatever. So yeah. it, the bike or can't is, be or the is only mobile solution. enough, right? Yeah, to you use need a to, bike. You need to deal with people okay. who have handicaps or uh, vision yeah. problems or all kinds of reasons why they couldn't or they're drunk. They What about all the drunk people in, in Bourbon City here, right? Like they have no good solution right now. And so it's extraordinarily dangerous on our streets after bar time, right? That is uh, crazy. Why is okay. that the way it is? It's crazy. Okay. 
All right. So I'm <laughs> what a thing to say in Louisville, Kentucky. <laughs> what? No, no, no. It's drink responsibly, sir. Drink responsibly. Well, figuring out the transportation is an important part of that. <laughs> All right. So I'm I'm waking up. I'm thinking about my transportation. Now, what about what about my food? Yeah. What oh, should huge. I be thinking about? I tried to to grow my own food, and I will tell you, the squirrels just demolished everything. Yes, That's a weight loss program right there. <laughs> <laughs> it was very annoying. So changing how you get around and changing what you eat those are all, those are the things I always say. Those are the two places really? to start with sustainability. Really? They're the two okay. most fundamental and important. Maybe in terms of like addressing the global climate crisis, it's not as huge as maybe. I don't know, increasing the efficiency of your home or solar panels on your roof or something like that. Those would be great, but they're like big, maybe one-time investments rather than like what you do every day to day, all these choices yeah. you can make for $0 right now, everybody can do it kind of thing, changing what you eat and changing how you get around to the two big ones. So I'm really glad you asked about food because it is it has such a large effect on all the aspects of sustainability. So think about it, like your personal health, what is more impacted by that than food, right? And same with transportation. If you have an active lifestyle, you can kind of eat whatever you want, right? So uh, those two things go hand in hand for personal health. But then you think about like the health of our economy. Uh, if you're sending all of your food dollars to California or China or just wherever, uh, some corporate giant, right? And not keeping those food dollars local, then you're all not right, making so our how do I do that? local Let, Let's talk about another right? principle here, which is shrink the change. Yeah. Meaning help make it manageable small. So right. how do I do that with my food choice? So one needs to, first of all, reduce the amount of meat you eat. That is huge okay. in terms of impact on personal health right. and planetary right. health, right? So figure out how to eat less meat. And that means not just cutting out the meat and doing nothing different, but figuring out a healthy balanced diet where you so, get the when proteins I cut out meat, need, the right? positive, I know the positive to my health, but how does that help the environment? Absolutely. So the way that meat is produced today in industrial agriculture is very highly unsustainable. You're basically growing with fossil fuels and chemicals, all kinds of soybeans, right? These acres and acres of soy and corn. They're not for people. They're for animals indirectly for people, right? So okay. uh, we don't have the, the sustainable form of grazing that we used to have where you know, pasture raised animals actually yeah. were a common thing. You can get them locally though. You can find those meats if you want them. You're going to find that they're extraordinarily expensive compared to conventional meat. And so that's why you cannot eat them three meals a day, every day of the week, right? You can only like eat to, them occasionally. I'd like to point out that this Tofurky plant-based deli slices that I'm holding right now is delicious. It is? Are you sure? Really? And high protein. So like, how do you, where do you, what meal do you eat that for? Put on your sandwich. Dinner. Yeah. Put it in really? Yeah, so Brian is, is demonstrating here, simple one-to-one -one swap out. What if I just swapped out for meat, a, a more plant-based option that looks and tastes very similar. That's like the easiest entry point, right? Now, yeah. one could argue that highly processed foods like Brian loves uh, oh. maybe aren't the best for our health and for the planetary health. Like it would probably be better to eat a whole foods diet rather than all that processed stuff. But if you're having trouble getting past the like, I need something meat-like, 
or I'm not going to feel like satisfied or whatever, then that's a great place to start. Now, switching to like a celery stick, like Brian's and maybe some peanut butter on there, you would get a more complete, healthy snack than a highly processed meat substitute, right? So eat less meat, huge, hugely important. But the the other thing we got to start doing is eating more local foods rather than just eating food from anywhere, which is what we find in abundance. And when we just go to the grocery store and don't think about it, right? But the the farmer's market. They are opening up now. And the other thing you can- bustling yeah yeah the other thing you could do is get a csa subscription i I do i pick it up every saturday awesome wonderful so this is like subscribing to a magazine but subscribing to a farm where you're getting a a, a box of produce delivered to you or nearby Uh, yeah i got this this week i got strawberries i got mm, kale i got sweet potatoes mm, i got lettuce and you're gonna find things in that box that you've never eaten before or don't eat much Uh, right i have yes yes and this is actually an opportunity to stretch yourself and to learn what is what are the variety of options available to me especially in terms of produce but there's meat csas too if you really want them and some of them are maybe more sustainably ethically raised meats i'm down with that it's just much more expensive and maybe not accessible to everyone um, so, so should I just start with like one meal a day? Should I try for all three to be ooh, plant-based? I think what a you- good goal is to start, yeah, with one meal a day or one day a week, meatless Mondays or meatless mornings, something like that, and, and where you intentionally that. sit down and try and figure out, okay, if I'm going to not eat meat here, what would be a good substitute? Yeah. Now, what about fish? Is that okay? So there's that sort of this hierarchy of impact on the yeah. planet, right? And beef is at the extremely yeah. unsustainable end. And then poultry. things like poultry and fish are a little better. Yeah. But again, it really, the devil's in the details. And a lot of the details are hidden from us. So we don't really know. Like oh. there are certain wild caught species that are still in abundance. And maybe we can have as an occasional treat. Uh, but I wouldn't okay. want to say, no, just switch all your beef to chicken and fish and you'll be doing be fine, fine for the earth. Um, okay. Reducing all of that stuff is great. And finding out a plant-based option for all of that, making that veg default is the way you want to go. Oh, the veg- okay. So I'm thinking about transportation food. Like what's, what if I had to pick one more thing day to day that you're like, this is like high up there to really rethink what Brian's got an you, idea or a what, comment. What, what, Brian, what should I be thinking about? I got transportation food. No, I don't, no I'm not going to do that. I'm going to let Justin go with his program on that because he is the master in this area. <laughs> All I'm going to do is confuse it. But I did want to confuse the last thing really quickly. Yeah. So we're talking about making decisions. Mm-hmm. And from, you know, the way I think about this, making decisions ends up being about values. Dr. Mogg, how do you decide when you have conflicting values? So you could eat something that's maybe better for the planet, but not as good for you. So, I mean, when you're faced with those kinds of decisions, how do you tend to decide? Mm, good one. Mm, I, you know, <laughs> I guess my message here is don't sweat the small stuff. Like if you're always trying to be perfect, you're never going to move forward. Um, so you'll never get sustainability 100% right. And in some cases there is no perfect answer. Like 
what is better um conventionally raised plant-based meal or an ethically raised local meat meal oh gosh well is that a struggle for you sure i might face that question and i am going to choose the vegetables because i made a commitment to not eat meat anymore and i made that commitment not just because of the environmental impact in fact I was an environmental studies major in college. I knew about all the horrible environmental effects of eating meat. And I continued to do eat meat all through college just because it was like what I did. Like it was, I was in the dining hall. I liked the chicken. I would eat the chicken. And then I suddenly like read something about uh, from another Quaker who was writing about how they decided to go vegetarian because they realized like what was behind all that meat eating was a lot of killing and death. And they didn't want to, have to kill animals. And I suddenly realized, you know, if I had to kill all those animals, I wouldn't do that either. I would choose vegetables over killing those animals. Um, So that doesn't seem right. Well, so that's interesting. So, so are you, are you personally, I mean, of course, you know, you've already said that everybody should think about it themselves and everything, but I mean, are you personally advocating something like a, like a spiritual message about these animals? Like you mentioned, you mentioned a religious point of view. So I just wonder, I mean, I mean, do you, do you yourself consider this to be based in a spiritual thing or because maybe, I mean, I'm just wondering because that might be a motive that some people aren't, aren't quite, I don't know, um, uh, aware of or very familiar with. And so um, I don't know, but I mean, is, is, is that, is that kind of where you come at it from? Is this is this question of like metaphysical values? I mean, is that right? I think those are always going to play a role in informing our decisions, no matter what we do, right? So, I have this value about not killing anything, especially other animals. So, uh, you know, uh, to me that seems wrong, and that's one of the things that pushed me over the edge. Like all the other data, and that we're talking about the facts. The scientific yeah. facts were already in my brain and it wasn't motivating me. So what actually ended up motivating me was a story related to the ethics around killing that really pushed me over the edge. And suddenly I tried it and it was, guess what? No problem. Super easy to transition to a plant-based diet and, you know, started out being just regular vegetarian, eating tons of meat and cheese, I'm dairy and cheese and eggs, right? Um, but as I've gone on, I've figured out ways to even cut down on that stuff too, because it is also uh, it, tied to an abusive industrial agricultural system that is oh, yeah. abusive to animals and the planet, right? So the more we can cut out that stuff, the greater. But you know, I'm not perfect about being a vegan and I don't try to be because it's just too hard. If I try to be 100% vegan and honor people who are uh, and I respect for that choice personally. for me personally. It's just not worth it for me to never eat cheese or dairy again. And by the way, I love me cheese and ice cream, right? So it's a treat okay. that I'm not willing to completely deny myself and I will choose the more ethically produced, uh, dairy products. Right. Uh, but I have them as a rare treat rather than they're always in my fridge every day. I could have some. Right. So you, what you pointed to was one of the things from the book switch, which is find the feeling. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Right. So just knowing information, knowing, oh, I should do this, or mm. this would help the environment, or this would help me, you know, help my diet, help me be healthier. You have to have people feel something. Knowing it is not enough. Critical thinking. I know it's not enough to think critically. <laughs> you got to inspire people to make change. Brian does not like There this. has to be a feeling oh, associated with it. 
This is disgusting. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's how people work. Feelings don't matter, Brian. That's how people disgusting. Brian? People are, people are disgusting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know what I thought of as, as, as Justin was talking, though? You know what I thought? Hmm. What do you do for fun, Justin? Oh, my is- gosh. <laughs> What don't I do for fun? He eats ice cream. Most of us. I'm like your lifestyle sounds so honorable. What do you do? Oh, it's so aesthetic. I just live in a cage with a hair shirt (laughs) in a cave. No electricity. No, I mean there are so many ways to have fun that it's like ethical hedonism. Like there are so many ways. Tell us. Oh my gosh. So first of all, I, I, I. find i find tending the earth to be fun do you and it's not a burden really and i find things like hanging my clothes on a line to be fun enjoyable enjoyable pleasant outdoor task what about november though November. Even in hanging? November, I'm really? a winter guy. I don't yeah, I don't really. I love you're it. gonna yeah. hang your clothes outside in in the yeah, cold. Like some crispy. Like, <laughs> oh. So staying active, oh. like that's a key part of my yeah, personal. Yeah, you bike everywhere. Health. So yeah. like, I have fun getting from point A to B. For most people, it's like road rage just sucks. I hate getting <laughs> no the traffic and the parking and everybody yeah. comes to these like places all like filled with rage. When I arrive, I'm like, oh, that was a sweet little bike ride. I felt like I was nine wow. years old again. Yeah. Wow. Wow, yeah. So wow. So even when I get to a place and it's closed or the meeting's canceled, yeah. I'm still like, well, you're I got like, a nice oh, bike I ride got in. a bike ride out of it. Man, <laughs> Justin. I love that you're so positive. So I mean, we can have fun in all kinds of ways, whether it's like, you know, getting together for a barbecue where instead of barbecuing meat, we barbecue what do we barbe- persimmons. Uh, well, you could try that. I've never <laughs> done that. We barbecue the asparagus that's ripe right now. Oh, yeah, uh, that's good. Or, or, that's actually peppers and eggplants and yeah fennel and green onions and all kinds of exciting things that maybe you've never tried barbecuing before or we could get an impossible burger and put it on the barbecue that's like the simple way to start yep all right so 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 i'm wondering like if we can do so many things do you draw any lines anywhere do you say ah you're doing this for fun that's not okay i mean do you do you ever do that so i can my for me personally, or do I judge? Yeah, 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 for you personally, because I'm just imagining somebody saying, ah, you know, I was just, I just went out and, and, and hunted deer for trophies, you know, but I do it sustainably. And they come up with 65, you know, like I, I take the meat and I put it in my freezer That's and great. I have, I have venison all winter. That's great. I wouldn't judge anybody for doing that. That's awesome. Um, okay, so but, but, well, well, but remember, like she added that last part. I said sport hunting, like trophy hunting. Just trophy so, hunting. Yeah, I'm just. I mean, it, I'm just doing it for the antlers. If you're going to do it on deer in this uh, part of the country, I don't think that's a sustainability problem. I wouldn't do it because I don't want to kill animals, but I recognize the need to control the deer herd at this point. So, okay. and I, I would, I would hope that people would donate that meat to someone in need. Um, okay, so 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 in your view, something like that, like somebody who participates in an activity like that, you would not find that to be problematic from a sustainability point of view, even though they're participating in the killing of the animal. Like that, that isn't a big that that isn't problematic. Yeah, I mean, there's probably a lot of problematic things around that activity. Like they probably have a big old truck that they drove out to who knows where, burning all kinds sure. of fossil fuels to get to it, and they you know, who knows, they're tossing beer cans and all kinds of other unsustainability things. I don't want to, I don't want to make paint too much of a picture about it, but yeah, I mean, 
and and the abundance of guns in America, I think, is a sustainability problem. But it's not the abundance of hunting that's the problem. Okay. Okay. So so what if some? Okay. Just just curious because I think that some people, some of our listeners, um, might have some dissonance right now. So let me see if I can push them push them right off the edge. Um, <laughs> what do you say about like I like to go to NASCAR. Uh, oh, yeah. you mean watching cars race for fun? I mean, I mean, if those were the only cars, great. <laughs> Let's keep NASCAR in. You got to bike, ride your bike to the track. How about that? I mean, does, uh, that, does that balance it out? Does that make me a sustainable, a sustainability-oriented NASCAR fan? <laughs> well, I think Brian's pointing to this idea about is there like we're talking about lifestyle, but should we also be paying attention to things that we think are fun and how do we, mm, help, yeah, totally. how do we help think about our pastimes and the things we do for fun? Yeah. And it's sustained like Brian is a martial artist, right? He does that for fun. Is there some sustainability there, Brian? Oh, well, there can be, I mean, for sure. I mean, who wants to hear about this, but I mean, sustainability <laughs> in martial arts, I mean, you don't use a lot of gear and the gear that you do use, you keep for a very long time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's not a disposable. Right. And the, and the wearing of it is part of its, you know, part of its um, uh, appreciation, you know, okay. that kind of thing. Mindfulness. Also, yeah. I, I do run into a problem occasionally because um, I do have a sustainability problem. I like to, to cut these rice mats. It's a, it's a part it's a part traditionally of the practice right so you can i mean i haven't done the math on this but you can take these rice mats um made out of waste product from mm -hmm. the rice harvesting right process. so there's a sustainability angle here um you can cover them in rubber and make them into a floor that lasts for decades of course you have to have some kind of rubber product for that but another thing you can do is take them and wrap them um, together, like roll them up and you can soak them in water. And they say that if you do it the way that I've been trained to do it, that it gives you the same texture and kind of feel as a person's neck. And so you go and cut through it with the sword and you get that good practice. Oh, <laughs> Oh, so you're ready when you need to well, cut it. Yeah, out. I mean, the neck is so hard to just replicate <laughs> over and over, you know. So, so the problem, of course, is that you have all these pieces at the end, right? All these pieces of these mats, and very often they've been soaked in some kind of of a preservative, right? So they won't just like because they start this just starts to deteriorate. Well, what do you do? What do you do with them, Brian? Well, I mean. When you do a really nice cut, you display it. That's one, <laughs> one of a hundred. Yeah. Uh, and so the other ones, um, you know, I nice. tried to compost them. It made this gnarly sludge. Uh. <laughs> um, I mean, they they kind of composted after a while, but oh, it took forever and terrible yeah. smells and sludge. So um, yeah, at this point, I'm kind of inclined to landfill them. And I hate that. I know. So it's that can stop. It actually stopped me last time from buying anymore. I'm out right now, so I can't practice appropriately. <laughs> wow. Because I don't know what to do with the remnants of these 
relatively toxic well, mats. I guess that's my point is that we should be looking at our choices in all areas of our life, right? I think so. But right. also, uh, again, think about like, what are the big things that you need to focus on changing? And, uh, you know, I'd much rather that Brian figured out how to not fly to competitions, right, for his is martial oh, arts. Yeah. That's probably like a bigger really like don't impact. fly to Europe. Right. For That's, your yeah. Uh, that compared to like what to do with these rice mats is like, you know, really? and oranges, right? Are you kidding me? Croissant? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a wait a minute. Slow down here. So Justin, the plane is going to Europe anyway. How does me being on it <laughs> actually keep the carbon emission down because the plane is going i'm sitting in a chair how does me being in that plane seat or not actually impact the that's what i want to know i used to think about it that way yes. patty i used to think about planes yes. as like public transportation yeah. they're going anyway but that's yeah. not how the airline industry works no. what the it's airline industry resp responds to demand unlike your yes. like local transit system right. that bus is going into town every day at the same schedule no right. matter what uh whereas an airplane they're only going to fly that route if it's consistently full okay so basically so. you're voting for all those emissions by being oh. a customer of the airline okay uh yes again drop in the bucket like one person eh, maybe it doesn't matter uh, but if you're if you're consistently an airline customer then you are pushing got it then you're voting for that unsustainable form of okay. transportation okay so I'm looking at this book switch and there's another concept in here called tweak the environment that if you want to change, if you want change in your life or you want change in others by changing the environment, like I think at U of L, one way they did that is they put recycling bins out next Make to the trash. Easy. Make it easy. So my environment now includes a visual cue mm -hmm. of the trash. And recycling and in mm -hmm. downtown louisville mm -hmm. i noticed they have recycling bins mm -hmm. so that's a way to change the environment to help me visually go oh this is where i recycle this is but what are some other ways we could do that in our lives yes or you do that in your life or other people could to remind themselves change their environment to be more sustainable so many different things. I mean, when you talk about like urban planning or yeah. or setting up an an institution like a big university, yeah. there's so many cues that we get from our environment that tell us this is the right way to behave. This is what we expect. So my biggest challenge at U of L is around commuting, and the 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 message to everyone is we want you to drive here. And why is that the message? We're going to put as much park, more parking than we could have possibly ever fill. And we're going to try and make it as affordable as possible. And we're going to pour lots of resources and attention into where you're going to put your car. If we flip this on its head and said, let's think about uh, how to encourage people to behave differently, we would put so little attention into that and so much more attention into, can people actually get here on a bus in a reasonable amount of time? Are there are there station bus stops on and near our campus and where people live and how how many transfers would they need to make? And uh, if it's not, is there a last mile solution for those people? Uh, are there safe bike routes and bike facilities to get to U of L? Is it safe and comfortable to get here on a bike? Do we have a way for people to carpool easily? Like, are there any incentives for people to consider carpooling? Mm. Instead, like I'm the only one worrying about that stuff and trying to figure out solutions there, and it it it's marginal compared to the impact of like the giant parking office that machine of like accommodating all of these vehicles well so how does that 
how does that help this whole whole concept of changing my environment? So, so okay, so that's like a big institutional level. Yeah. Uh, if you wanted to change your own personal environment, you would you'd have to choose where you live very consciously, right? You'd have to like value sustainability enough that you're not going to live in a place where you have to be car dependent because that's that choice alone, like is going to wipe out a lot of other options for you. So choosing where to live, choosing in a place where you're can reasonably get to everything you need without a car, that's a huge way to change your environment. But maybe even if you do live way out in the suburbs, um, what could you mm. change in your environment that would make it easy? If you're going to, want a compost for instance don't put the compost bin way in the back corner of your yard where it's like you got to walk out in the rain in the dark yeah. or whatever to go compost like it's just too much just of a put it, hassle put i'm it just going to put it down the drain or bump, dump it in the trash can mm. i'm sure i've got a wheelie trash bin like right outside my door here you know if that's the default like easy that's your environment is like set up for easy landfilling yeah. that's what you're going to do whereas if you put your compost bin right outside your door you're going to be able to please or right outside your window some people just or, tip the bucket out the window in the or kitchen right? my mom told me she belongs to the community compost co-op where she there just leaves go. her bucket out and they pick it up every tuesday and bring her a clean bucket and that way she she composts but she doesn't mm -hmm. have to keep up her own bed. that's another great subscription so, just like the csa like that's a way to change yeah. your environment have these vegetables coming into your house every two weeks that are fresh and local and seasonally yeah. appropriate you're gonna be like motivated to figure out what to yeah. do with them now, whereas if you didn't do that and you just walked into the grocery store and said well i want steak again you're gonna get yeah. steak because <laughs> so, it's there i changed my environment a couple of years ago brian and i did a show about plastic bags uh, and yeah. how heinous plastic bags heinous. are and they take a thousand years to break down <laughs> in the landfill. And even then it's like they're microplastic. Microplastics, so now yeah. I take my own bag in and, nice. when, and when people ask me the clerk, would you like a bag? Sometimes I lay it on them. I lay the truth on them. <laughs> And, you know, about pla why I don't like plastic bags. Ooh. So I, I tweak my environment by carrying the bags in my car, reusable bags. Now, right after we did that show, Brian, that article, remember I saw in that article in the New York Times, it said, whether or not you use a bag, a plastic bag for your groceries is not as impactful as what you put in that bag. Sure. So now I'm like, well, should I even bother? Yes. I should still do it. Absolutely. But don't still stop do there. It. Don't stop there. Look at what I have in the bag. And go, Absolutely. Right. I don't need this beef. Maybe I can get a meat substitute in here or something. See, okay. That's well, that's a big thing is not using bags. That's my, that's one big thing I do. Well, a big problem too is gaslighting, right? I mean, when, you know, they're saying, well, you know, you don't really need to think about this bag because I mean, the stuff you put in, it's way more impactful. Yeah. That doesn't mean you don't have to think about the bag. Yeah. You don't have to think about whether or not you drive. I mean, there are so many other things. Think about when you when you fly. Well, hold on. How often am I a pilot? How often am I, am I flying? <laughs> I don't know about everybody else, but I get in my car about five times a day around here. I mean, the city's not a delight of public transit. I mean, I've certainly been in cities that make it nice. I mean, yeah. You can do it here. I mean, I've certainly done it here. And I just, you have to reorganize, for me, you have to reorganize your working life to make it co coincide with the commute. Right. Because it takes so long yeah. that I just really, I don't have enough work time sometimes because right. the commute is so outrageous. If you don't live in the urban center, and of course there are plenty of problems that are associated with the urban center. 
right? That, that are sustainability issues like, where do I get my food affordably if I want it to be healthy food, stuff like that. Um, you know, what's going on with this concrete jungle? We've yeah, got the, the yeah. island, the vegan yeah. lot. Absolutely. So, I mean, there is something to be said for the problem that culture just sets us up to fail. Culture just gaslights the hell out of everybody hmm. and causes us to feel like we're, we don't know how to make good decisions, right? At the end, we just end up being paralyzed, right? By the various options that we could make. And it's one of the reasons why these conversations are so hard and why even here in 2021, we're sitting here talking about this like nobody's ever heard of the topic before. I mean, every time we have this conversation, the, I mean, and I'm not trying to disparage anybody's comments or questions, but every time we do this, it's like it's brand new because because the there's no progress. Like yeah. there's no actual cultural progress. We're always coming back to square one. I don't know. I feel like we're making progress. Let me just point out that there is zero legislation to to ma to to control the manufacturing of plastics. Zero at the federal level. And that's because what? We're all we're all supposed to just put it in the recycle bin. That's the problem. That's all <laughs> the problem. We put it all in the recycle bin. Oh, got it. You know, okay. I mean it's 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 a bait and switch and we're we're getting crushed by it, I think, culturally. It makes this very hard makes these changes hard to do, I think. Yeah. Well, we're lucky to have the two of you here at U of L helping us with these issues. Oh, Justin does it all. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> You help. Sometimes you help. Sometimes, sometimes. You help, right? Absolutely. Sometimes, sometimes. Well, but but again, it's really it's really hard because U of L does good things on the one hand, and on the other hand, it makes it makes things very challenging. So there's there's not a consistent message about sustainability, right? You know. Yeah. And it's not just U of L. I mean, it's the city at large and. Yeah, well, I choose to be optimistic, and and I'm I'm glad that books like Switch have helped you. Oh, me too. Yeah, and have helped me think about how to promote change. Yeah, absolutely. With our we hope that it helps all of you think about some change too as you're going through your week because this sustainability business it is complicated, and it's definitely for everyone. Even you. Even you, my friend. a delight. Justin, I, thank you for helping us. I hope we fixed the audio problem. I hope we <laughs> sustainability. We at least fixed sustainability. So that's the important thing. <laughs> that we got the bag. Yeah, that done. That's in the cloth bag. Done. It's the booth that's the issue. <laughs> Absolutely appreciate um, you helping with the booth though for sure. You bet, man. Yeah. Well, when are you coming back from Panama on the beach there? Uh, I should be back tomorrow. I'm taking a red eye. <laughs> Ha 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 ha!